Okay, so uh, Psalm 23, verse 6, it's the last verse of, uh, of, of Psalm 23, and, and today we're going to talk about perfect endings for a little while. I want to just kind of get your, your brain moving on perfect endings, and, and so uh, go, to, go ahead and go to, to Zoom, uh, Facebook, chat, and, and let us know what is a perfect ending when, when, when you think about that, what would be a perfect ending in your mind? And, and I'm going to give you some examples for me. Uh, my brain goes to the movie Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Um, this is 1980, right? So, so if you're living in 2021, it's not so much of a perfect ending because you kind of know uh, some of the cliffhangers. But, but, but the ending of the movie is like so perfect because there's like this iconic shot of Luke and Leia and C-3PO and R2-D2 staring out the massive window into space. And, um, and, and as they're doing that, there's, there's a ton of cliffhangers right at the end of that movie. Uh, for instance, Luke has just lost his hand. Um, for all we know, Han Solo might be dead. And, um, and, and Vader was just revealed to be Luke's father. Right? These are mind-blowing things in the movie. And, and then all of a sudden, the movie just like ends. Right? It's like the perfect cliffhanger ending that just leaves you wanting more. You can't wait for the next movie to come and see how all these cliffhangers wrap up. Right? So Empire Strikes Back 1980. Uh, another movie that I think of with a perfect ending, uh, and, and Resurrection Ministries doesn't promote any of these movies, just to be clear. Uh, these are just what pops into my brain. It's a movie called The Sixth Sense. Uh, Sixth Sense is a, uh, it has a perfect ending because it's revealed, here's a spoiler, right? So if you've never seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you. Uh, it's revealed in the, in the very final minutes uh, that the main character, played by Bruce Willis, has actually been dead the entire movie. And, and when you go back and watch it, it's like, oh, yeah, duh, right? But just nobody saw it coming when they watched the movie for the first time. And so The Sixth Sense has, like, the perfect ending because it's just like, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> um, another one, again, Resurrection Ministries doesn't promote any of these movies, right? It, Dumb and Dumber has the perfect ending for me. It was one of my favorite movies in college. And, uh, and, and uh, it, it's, it's, like, one of the perfect endings because <clears throat> the smart thing to do at the end of the movie <clears throat> would have been uh, for these two guys that are the main characters to get on a bus full of beautiful young women. But instead what they do is they say, oh, you should go to that town and find two lucky guys to join you on your travels. And, uh, and, and so they, they send the bus away and they say, oh, somebody's going to be really lucky with, with that bus. And, and they don't get on the bus. And so for me, it's like the perfect ending for a movie that's called Dumb and Dumber, right? The perfect ending. Here's another one, uh, probably less controversial. Uh, <clears throat> this is a baseball example. Um, my brain goes to Cal Ripken, uh, a famous uh, baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles. And he's known as the Iron Man. Uh, Lou Gehrig had played in 2,130 baseball games in a row. Uh, never had to sit out, never went on the DL. And Cal Ripken is playing in his 2,131st game. So he's going to break the record if he just uh, finishes these uh, six or seven innings. And so it's that game, his 2,131st game in a row, no injuries, <clears throat> no uh, time on the DL. And what does he do? He steps up in the sixth inning, and for the third night in a row, he belts a home run right over the fence. It's like the perfect ending to this Iron Man record. Uh, and I'm not even a Baltimore Oriole fan, but I am a Cal Ripken fan, and that was a moment that I can still actually remember in my own brain watching that ball go out of the stadium. 
Look, I, I hope you're chiming in and telling us what comes to mind when you think of a perfect ending. Um, but, but regardless of what your definition of a perfect ending is, I think we can probably agree and see that Psalm 23 verse 6 is a perfect ending. Um, what it does is it gives us hope that our story, I'm pointing over here because that's the future. <laughs> it gives us hope that our story will have a perfect ending. Uh, but it also points us to how we can have a perfect ending right now today. Right now, today. Let, let me just read it for you uh, one more time. Uh, this is Psalm 23, verse 6, and then we're going to start to just pull out certain words about it uh, from it. <clears throat> Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, there's a few words in here that just really stand out to me. One word is the word sure. Um, uh, if you want to give it a different word or a different translation, it means uh, indeed. It means absolutely. It means beyond any doubt, right? A rock solid certainty. Uh, for me, that word really stands out because there has been so few rock solid certainties in life in general, but also just, I mean, especially over the past year, if we're being honest. Right? There have been very few things that have been sure. And so um, with, when you were uh, commenting on those things earlier, um, David somehow says that he is sure, right, that he will, what, dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that's the second phrase, the second part of Psalm 23, verse 6. But we want to start there. Um, that word and connects it to the sure, right, the rock-solid certainty, the, the beyond any doubt. David is sure that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, we have to remember here, when he's talking about the house of the Lord, um, that the temple has not yet been built, right? Uh, it, it's been imagined by David. It's been planned by David. He collected all the resources for it, but uh, it hasn't actually been built. And so what he's actually talking about is not living in a church building, right? He, he's, not ta he, he's talking about being in the presence of God, being in the presence of God. And, and David knows that amazing things happen in the presence of God. In the presence of God, the Red Sea parts and people walk across on dry ground. In the presence of God, the, the Jericho walls come tumbling down. Uh, in the presence of God, uh, giants named Goliath fall to their death. Uh, we know today that, that when Jesus comes to be Emmanuel, to be present with us, he heals the sick, he, he makes the lame walk, he opens the eyes of the blind, and he forgives the sins of everyone who he comes into contact with. Amazing things happen in the presence of God, and David is sure that he will be in the house of the Lord forever. Which, uh, just to be clear, right, forever is kind of a long time. Um, uh, I, the way that I've kind of been thinking about it in my head is like an, uh, kind of an oxymoron, right? Forever means an unnumbered number of days. I, I mean, we just can't even, uh, you know, comprehend how long forever is. Uh, he will be in the house of the Lord forever. He will be in the presence of God forever. Now, how can David be so sure? Uh, how can David be so sure that his story has a perfect ending? 
Uh, David is fully confident that God wants to be Emmanuel. He wants to be present with us. Uh, at this point in the story, uh, David knows that God was with Adam and Eve. He was with Hagar. He was with Sarah. He was with Abraham. He was with Jacob. He was with Moses. He was with the people of God in the wilderness. David is sure that he will be with God because God continually chooses to be with us. He is sure that he will be with God because God continuously chooses to be with us. <laughs> uh, and when God is with us, amazing things happen and things cannot be better. Uh, do you see how hope-filled this, th this last phrase is? Uh, David is saying, I... I I, I am hopeful, I am certain, right, that, that my story has a perfect ending. Regardless of how today is, regardless of my current circumstances, regardless of my situation in life, I know that things get better, that my story has a perfect ending. Uh, we can have the same confidence, of course, that David has. Uh, we, too, can be sure that our story has a perfect ending. Uh, on top of everything else that we've already named, uh, we could go to the book of Revelation and we could see Jesus coming down uh, to be with us for a perfect unnumbered number of days. Um, uh, we know that when Jesus returns, he's going to restore all things. Uh, he's going to take things that are broken and he's going to make them work right. He's going to take things that are ugly and he's going to make them incredibly beautiful. Uh, Jesus is going to restore all things things. He's going to put it back to how it's supposed to be. And we also know that, that in the book of Revelation, uh, uh, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes, uh, which means that he's going to restore the hurts that we've already encountered, and he's going to eliminate any future hurt that we might, that, that we might face or encounter. It's just going to be gone. Wipe every tear from our eyes. We can have the same certainty, the same sureness that David does, uh, we can have hope, right? Not a vague wish. You always hear me say this, right? This is not, uh, the biblical hope is not like blowing out birthday candles. The, the biblical hope is a certain certainty that our story has a perfect ending, literally. Uh, but 23.6 doesn't just give us hope for a perfect ending to our story. It also tells us that we can have a perfect ending to today, right? It's not just a, a future hope, but a current reality. Um, David is also sure that God pursues. Uh, let me read it to you again. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I want to just talk about a couple of those words, right? So just draw it back, surely, right? Indeed, absolutely, beyond any doubt, rock-solid certainty that goodness and mercy. These are two powerful words throughout Scripture. Uh, goodness means that things are pleasant, uh, things are, are beautiful, things are satisfying. Now, there's a lot of pleasant, beautiful, satisfying things in the world. But in Scripture, when things come from God, they are perfectly pleasant. They are perfectly beautiful. They are perfectly satisfying. Uh, surely, goodness, 
and mercy. All right, so <clears throat> here's a little bit of the Pastor Dave craziness coming out, right? But, but, but mercy just isn't really a, a, a good word there. So, so I'm just going to give you the Hebrew word and just say it because it's hard to translate or, or get any other sense of it. The Hebrew word there is kesev, right? Um, surely goodness and kesev. The, the word means unconditional, unfailing, always there for you, love. And the root word here, uh, it, it means to bend down, to stoop down. So, so the picture is God reaching down from where he is to where we are. And what he's doing is he's sharing unconditional, unfailing, always there for you, love. Surely, goodness, and kesev, unconditional love. Now, uh, these two things are, are core to the very characteristic of who God is. They're, they're core to who God is. And, and so I want to just give you a couple of examples so you can see that. Because what David is really saying here is surely God will follow me. Right? It's not so much, oh, yeah, just good things and love. Right? This is not just a happy, clappy thing for David. This is, this is God following him. Right? Surely God will follow me. Um, goodness. Right? We just go to Genesis chapter 1. And, and we see goodness all over Genesis chapter 1, right? God creates things, and then after he creates things, he takes this step back, and he looks at what he created, and he says that it is good, right? It is pleasant. It is beautiful. It is satisfying. And since he is perfect, we would say it's perfectly pleasant, perfectly beautiful, perfectly satisfying, right? The good creator creates good things, Genesis chapter 1, the very first pages uh, telling us about who God is, right? Goodness is, is at the very core of who God is. Um, that, that other word, uh, kesa, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, uh, just a great little section where, where God is interacting with a man named Moses. And he's telling Moses, hey, Moses, I, I want to just tell you who I am. And, and he says, hey, Moses, I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in Kesev. You probably know it as abounding in love. But again, that word is, is so powerful, right? Kesev is unconditional, unfailing love. He's abounding in that. That means he has much of it. He's got a lot of it. He's got a ton of it to share. He has plenty of it uh, in himself and stored up in his barns, so to speak, right? He is abounding in kesed, in, in, in unconditional, unfailing, always there for you, love. Unconditional love is at the very core of who God is. Surely goodness and mercy will, will follow me. Now, here again, right, the, the word follow is just too weak. Uh, the actual word is um, pursues, uh, chases, runs after, right? Surely God chases after me. Surely God um, uh, runs after me. Surely goodness and mercy uh, is pursuing me. So, again, we have to kind of ask that question, how can David be so sure? <laughs> Um, uh, David is used to negative things chasing him. It's pretty interesting. If you look throughout the, uh, the, 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 the book of Psalms, David over and over again is talking about his enemies, and he's talking about how bad things are following him over and over and over again. J just a few examples. Chapter 7, verse 5, David talks about an enemy that is pursuing him and about to overtake him and trample him. 
in chapter 71, verse 11, um, David says that, that his enemies are calling him God-forsaken. Right? And, and his enemies <clears throat> um, tell others to pursue David and capture David because no one will come to help David. Psalm 119, 86, uh, David says that he is being pursued for no good reason. He's done nothing wrong. They're just pursuing him uh, because they don't like him, basically. Uh, Psalm 142, verse 6, David is crying out to God for help because those who are pursuing him are too strong for him, and he will not survive. David's used to being pursued by enemies, by troubles, by hardships. And the reality is, if we're honest, that we're probably familiar with that <laughs> uh, more than we are familiar with being pursued by God or, or, or being pursued by goodness and mercy. We, it's one of those things that we know in our heads that we're being pursued by God and by God, goodness and mercy, but sometimes our hearts are disconnected. And sometimes it, it feels like in our hearts we're being pursued only by bad things and not, not by God. So how can David be so sure? <laughs> Here's the uh, really sophisticated answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, David doesn't tell us how he is so certain and how he is so sure. But, but, but I know from my own troubles, and, and just see this, right? My adversity is not as, as high as David's adversity. But, but I know that for myself, um, when, when I am, am being pursued by problems or, or, by, uh, or by enemies or by trouble, it's a great comfort to just come back to the truth about who God is at his core. It, it's a great comfort to sort of look over my shoulder and say, oh yeah, there's some big stuff back there. But to also know that the bigger thing is God's goodness and mercy these are things that are very core to who God is. And so coming back on a regular basis, maybe at the end of the day for you. Uh, for me, it's at the beginning of the day. Uh, when I come back at the beginning of the day to who God is at his core, it sort of reframes how yesterday went. <laughs> and, and it launches me into today saying, hey, whatever else is chasing me, I've got a God who is chasing me. And that God is full of goodness. He is full of unconditional love for me. Um, his love is not like the elephants. <laughs> his love lasts now and forever. And so I can have a perfect ending to today. Psalm 23, verse 6, is not just about being certain that, that, that my story will end well, that, that my story will have a perfect ending. Uh, it's not just about that, that hope, that certain certainty for the future. It's also about a certain certainty that I can have a happy ending today. On the days that I feel overwhelmed by troubles and enemies... I can come back to who God is at his core. And I can remember that he has a long history of pursuing people. And I can know that, that he is so much bigger and so much gooder and so much more awesome than all those other things that are chasing me. On the days when I'm full of my own sin and mistakes and bad behavior, it's so powerful to come back to who God is at his core and know that he's got unconditional love for me. 
Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a perfect ending. Amen. Let's, uh, let's say a prayer and just, uh, just thank our Heavenly Father for, uh, for perfect endings, because uh, it's, it's so good to just come back and remember what his plan is for us. Let's pray. Uh, uh, Jesus, we, we thank you so much for, uh, for, for being our good shepherd, for being all these things that we listed off earlier. Um, we, we thank you for the promise of, of, uh, of a perfect ending. Uh, there are so many things that, uh, that aren't perfect right now. Uh, so many things that we desire to be different. And yet we know where our story takes us. And more importantly, we, we just we know where your story takes us. <laughs> and so today we, we just come back to that truth. And we celebrate uh, your plan for us. And we thank you that, that you sort of reframe how today is going. <laughs> Regardless of what's happened over the last hour, over the last 24 hours, over the last week, we know that today is a perfect ending uh, because of your goodness, because of your unconditional love, uh, because you're always pursuing us and chasing after us. And so today we just simply lift our, our hands and our hearts and our minds to you in praise and in thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.